0: you can find the plan that fits you best find out more about United healthcare coverage at uh1.com that's uh1.com These aren't the stories your mother told you no these are the other stories <laughs>
1: Old Knobbly Written by Luke Condor Narrated by Joseph Maudsley At some point the pathway ended and the solid concrete beneath Alison's slippered feet turned to bracken and thistles and things that stung and bit. The bare skin of her legs thrummed with sore heat as the poisons and needles prickled and swelled, but she pressed onwards. He was just a little further ahead now. The thing that gives old Knobbly. The night gloom was almost pitch black, but for the silvery highlights of the moon and stars above, and the yellow of the street lights far back and to the left, past the cul-de-sac of Tudor Close,
0: Oudnobbly Lee, Daddy Dee, what gifts I bring for thee?
1: The song was growing louder now, each syllable becoming clearer with every step. Even Mixie was singing, or crying. From there, Alison could see the jutting roofs of her and her neighbours' houses could see the silhouettes of the chimneys and the satellite dishes, and on her right was nothing but fields and trees, walking routes and stone walls, farmhouses and desolate fields of mud and dirt. The man with long hair came to mind, the one with the ratty moustache from the corner shop. He told her how those dust-dirt fields were supposed to be beautiful crops of yellow rapeseed. So big and tall and luminescent, you'd think you'd stumbled upon a brand new shade of yellow, and a naturally alien colour that fetched a good price and a good living for the farmers. But now this year, Ratash said as he bagged up her white wine and cat food that morning. For some reason, Old Nobble is not giving out. Old Nobbly, she said. Ratash lifted the bulging carrier bag, ready to split and spill forth her groceries and said... Sure. Or whatever you want to call the spirit of nature. The thing that gives to people. Don't this double-backed? Yes, please. And wait, are you talking about God? God? Why did she say that? Alison was as atheist as they came. A nun of non-belief. She'd sooner believe in the idea that people actually did like the taste of Marmite. Ratash placed the bulging bag into a second and smiled, big and warm like. He had the rosy cheeks and ruddy smiles you'd normally associate with a butcher. It was the way he said it, the thing that gives to the people, that had a veneer of malevolence, of evil. And then Ratash chuckled as he handed the bag over, the handles already stretching and whitening, and Wanley said, Sure, why not? To some, it could be called God but a deity for sure. And Wanley said, she'd left before hearing any more of this nonsense. The cheery smile and over-thick spread the man was laying on was too much for Alison. Maybe he was just trying to scare her. Play games with the newcomer. The outlander? The community of Bills thought was small and tightly woven. It wouldn't be too much of a stretch to think they might haze the newcomers a little bit. ...scare the city type with some local folklore. And yet she heard the song... ...that same night and more so with each one passing. It started as a whine sort of dog whistle frequency a sound that brought a mind of white plastic carrier bags a field of them moving and rustling in a sea breeze at least that was how it had begun Mixie her 13 year old cat had been mewing and pawing at the bedroom window as Tinnitus sound found its way into the back of her ears hidden in the tiny bones that danced there no way Mixie we will get lost out there, we're not in the city anymore you've got to stay inside for a while A couple of sleeping pills, a massage of the temples, and she was back to sleep. The sound defeated. Until the next night, when it returned in full. Again, Mixer was at the window sill of her bedroom, pawing at the glass as she was trying to dig her way through it. For an ancient cat, mostly blind and somewhat incontinent, Alison had been surprised at the old fart's energy, and would have smiled at her determination if the noise hadn't returned again this time a little louder, a little more grating, a wailing in the back of her ears that felt like it should have been accompanied by an icicle breath on the nape of her neck. She climbed out of the bed, feeling the cold of the house as she scampered over to the window. Down, Mixie, she said as she brushed her from the sill. Down! She stopped as she looked outside, scanning the overgrown greenery of her back garden, inspecting left and right into the shadows of the fields behind, so thick and dark that she even closed her eyes for a second and tried to picture the city lights of her old London apartment. She found comfort in it, just for a second, before opening them once again and looking into the inky darkness. She worked her view over the broken boards of the fence at the back of her garden and saw the corpse of trees and the thing that sat on the edge of them, a monstrous oak tree much much thicker than the others. A wider base, fat and stumpy, reaching up and splitting into two fat arms that lifted into the air like it was caught and frozen midway through some interpretive dance. The big bows then split and separated into spingly jagged fingers that looked ready to reach out and wrap its branches around throats and limbs and to squeeze, squeeze, squeeze away the life. And then, as the noise grew, and the fear started to settle in the back of her throat, and Alison felt the bitter taste of chalk and bile, she saw it. Or at least, she thought she saw it. It was much too dark to see. Wasn't it? But there it was. The face.
0: Oh, nobly Eddie Dee, what gifts I bring for thee, the time of life and the buzzing of bees.
1: Three more tablets that night, and she was back in bed. Unable to truly drift, not without hearing the singing, feeling the thumping of dancing feet slamming on grassy ground, and hearing the crying of babies not humans. She didn't think, but it was more like that of a baby goat, a warbling cry of hurting youth. Then there were blades, which she was sure of, and blood. there was a face it was a face of he who gives and those who worshipped before it shit Ellie what? the morning after she managed to catch her neighbour Mr Robson before he climbed into his Astra and set off to work he looked morning fresh he even had some white shaving foam clinging to the top of his cheek Alison didn't think it polite to mention it you were asking what was just behind our houses? Yeah. Well, I think it was just a gangway originally. You know, just to get to the farmland and trails behind it. But nobody ever went there. But from the junkers and boy racers. That's when it seemed to pick up the nickname. Shit Alley. You know, because it was full of shit. Oh, right. Uh, listen, Alison said, eyeing the Robinsons kids' bike at the front door. Does the name Old Knobbly mean anything to you? Mr Robinson pointed his keys at the car and beeped it to unlock. He checked his watch. You mean Pervert Tree? He opened the car door. Evidently running late now. Pervert Tree? Yeah, well, it's this big giant oak out back. The kids had all kind of different names for it. Old Knobbly, the Goon Face, the Pervert Tree... They both laughed. Alison wasn't sure why. It's this big, goofy-looking thing that looks like a pervert, so... Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> kids will be kids. But Sure they will. He drove off and left her in her own driveway, looking up to the bathroom window to see Mixie sat there, her eyes like glass marbles watching two pigeons scuttling on the telephone wire above. Back inside the house and she put some food out for her. The old cat grumbled as she gnawed weakly at the thick cuts of ashen meat. Alison looked down at her withered companion and pictured the day she'd brought her home all those years ago. A sweet little kitten who never left her side. She walked to the kitchen sink and washed her hands. As she scrubbed, her eyes drifted from the fence at the back garden and down into the sink. The song returned and she watched, hypnotised by the suds and water gurgling down the sinkhole and into the world below.
0: Bring for thee the time of life and the buzzing of bee make us big and wide and fat. Oh nobly me.
1: And then she saw it. A fine green finger reaching up and out of the grill of the drain, tiny and graceful. It reached halfway out of the basin before the tip of it sprouted into a beautiful yellow flower. Fear tickled her skin to sugar paper as she watched the finger of green continue to sneak towards her. She plucked the flowering end of it away with a plink. And for some reason, she didn't quite understand, she placed it into her mouth. Tongued its bitter texture around before swallowing its whole. It was that night she ventured out into shit alley. It was that night the songs entered her mind. The singing now joined by the thumping of bare feet and the fiddling of some stringed instrument that she had no name for. In her transfixed state, she stepped through the overgrowth. Her little plastic bag by her side dragging through the bracken. Poor old Mixie, she thought, as she moved into the shadows toward the song. At least she was double-bagged. Soon enough, the face and the shadows emerged. Pervert tree. She could see it. The ancient oak with the spindly, knobbly fingers reaching into the sky above. A hollowed-out, blackened chunk cut from its front, with one small and one large scar above, where large branches once sat, long since broken away to reveal those deep-set, blackened eyes beneath. Old knobbly. She understood now. Shitali was once a place of worship. Its reverence was still there. Hidden underneath layers of time, people gathered here and they gave gifts to the tree. Usually baby goats, but there were others too. Sometimes the badly born, the malformed and dumb, they were given. Not without heartbreak, not without sacrifice. Alison stepped closer and her body began to move and creep like there were beetles underneath her skin. She looked at the face, her head lifted to the side, watching, seeing. Mixie mulled from within the bag, probably struggling to breathe. She lifted the bag and saw her old cat's marbled eyes within. They looked at her with betrayal and sadness. I thought you wanted to go outside, she said not without regret. But wasn't that the point of sacrifice? It had to hurt. For a while, she stood before old Nobly in cool silence. A thousand intimate conversations passed between them, unspoken. And then the tree moved. The wind brushed through its fingers and it shivered. She sang, quietly at first, as she placed Mixie on the floor by the big open, caught in a scream mouth.
0: The time of life and the buzzing of bee.
1: As Mixie drunkly pushed herself out of the bag, those sleeping pills she'd put in her food made for a heavy dose for the old feline, she began to move her feet stomping down, left and right, onto the thorns and needles. It was painful, and soon enough the blood came, but she paid no mind. She removed her nightie and began the dance she'd dreamed of, as old Nobly had taught her. And in response, the ground moved. The green and brown fingers, the roots, wormed out from the soil. Mixie screamed as the fingers grasped her paws and pulled her downwards, beginning to pull the pieces apart and to feed them into the gaping mouth. Make us big and fat and wide. How peculiar she must look. Dancing naked around some old tree. A god, nonetheless. Singing that old folk song. Her pounding feet made for the percussion and the screaming cat made for the instrumentation but Alison knew now she had to give and give and give to old Nobly. No. His true name. What was it? Adad? dad? Veradios? Something. He was an old god and he was famished. The poor thing. So she danced and sang and gave and planned to do so the next day. And the day after that, until the fields grew fat with yellow once again.
0: Oh nobly knee, Daddy Dee, what gifts I bring for thee Oh nobly knee, Daddy what gifts
1: I bring for
0: thee I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Other Stories. Old Nobley was written by Luke Condor, narrated by Joseph Maudsley, edited by Carl Hughes of music by Mayu and Tom Robson. So we have just published an exclusive episode on our Patreon feed. Now I don't want to go into too much detail about the episode per se, but let's just say uh, the title of the episode, it's um, well it's it's called The Penis. It's not erotica, it's it's a horror story, but it's called The Penis. So I mean if that sounds like something you might want to listen to, then head over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as one dollar or a pound, depending on where you're from. You'll get early ad-free access to episodes, you'll get a great feeling inside. And you'll also get access to the aforementioned penis episode. (laughs) So yeah, until next time. It
1: was the way he said it. The thing that... The thing that gives to the people. That had a veneer of malev... Malev... Mello... Malevance. I'll say it a few different ways so you can pick the right one. They had a veneer of malevolence. That's definitely not it. Right, let me check it. They had a veneer of malevolence. Mavalid- oh, fucking hell. Malevolence. Malevolence. They had a veneer of malevolence.
0: Mavalid- oh,
1: sorry about this. Mal. Malevolence, mal- Mal-ele- not elephant. There's no elephants. Malevolence that had a veneer of malevolence. Malevolence, malevolence that had a veneer of malevolence. Malevolence that had a veneer of malevolence. That had a veneer of malevolence had a veneer of malevolence, of evil.